0: Hey, everybody, I'm Q. This is Crypto Gumbo. <laughs> and this is episode 17 of Unchacked Liberty. <laughs> Pete Quinones is the managing editor of the Libertarian Institute and hosts the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. He released his first book in November 2017, entitled Freedom Through Meandom: The 31-Day Guide to Waking Up to Liberty. It reached number four in the Libertarian section on Amazon. He has also spoken at the Liberty Forum in Manchester, New Hampshire, and is currently co-producing a documentary entitled The Monopoly on Violence, which is scheduled to be released this year. This documentary will feature the most prominent figures in libertarianism, explaining how nation-states came into existence, the atrocities they commit, and what a truly open libertarian society would look like. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining Unshackled Liberty. Uh, We have a very special guest with us today, uh, Pete Quinones. Did I say your name right? That was pretty good, man. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm from California. We, we learn how to, we learn how to, you know, do the Enyes and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, hey, this this guy is is huge in uh, in in well in the podcast world that I listen to. He's he's one of my favorites. Absolutely, every time he drops a new episode, I stop what I'm doing, I clear out my all my podcast that I got lined up, and I, and I and I smash that button and I listen to what you got because it's always awesome. So Pete, thanks for joining us, man. I'm really excited to
1: have you here. You're just going to make me blush right off the bat. Right? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm
0: sorry, man. I'm just, so, in a group chat that we're in, uh, I kind of got a kind of got, a, I won't share you all the details, I'm sure. We're in a group chat with some other veteran guys, other veteran podcasters, and, and they were kind of giving me a hard time about how I was kind of fanboying a little bit for having Pete Quinones on our show. Kind of fanboying. <laughs> so, I'm a little, I'm a little, a uh, little happy to have you here, and I appreciate it. But, um, I'd like to start out by reading an excerpt from your, um, from your article that you, that you wrote back in February of 2020 called, I Was Just Following Orders. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to read the uh, the portion in here that's um, entitled Law Enforcement Worship. And uh, that's kind of what I wanted to talk a little bit about, the police state and things like that. Um, and of sure. course, how, how that works in with, with the coronavirus pandemic that we're all working through. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and start reading. And uh, so from a young age, many parents teach their kids that law enforcement are the good guys. And if they ask you a question, you better answer and be respectful. You can be respectful and still understand the nature of the job of of the police in this country. They are evidence gatherers. That is their main task since they rarely show up in time to stop a crime. They have rightfully been referred to as historians. If a statute has been broken, it is their job to find out who did it. And they do this by detaining or arresting people and asking them questions. Any lawyer worth their salt will tell you to never answer a question unless they or another attorney is present. Even if you know you are not guilty. In the must read book, you have the right to remain innocent. James Duane details by citing case upon case, how innocent people have talked their way into losing decades of their lives, even though they didn't commit the crime of which they were convicted. He explains how the police can ask you 100 questions. And while you may have answered 98 of them correctly, even proving your innocence, the two that you answer in a wishy-washy way can be used to convict you, while the other 98, ones that prove your innocence, will be thrown away and declared inadmissible in court. This continues to be a blight on the criminal justice system. And police officers are aware that this happens. Yet they continue to do their job, as they always have, with no regard for whether they are contributing to the jailing of an innocent person. They and their defenders will often blame it on the prosecutors. Yes, they will pass the buck, so to speak. And what's their excuse? It's just part of their job. And we are just following orders. We are just doing our jobs. So I wanted to read that because, and you know, I've listened to you on this topic a number of times, you always seem to nail it. Um, Some of the worst parts of history are are perpetrated by the guys who are just basically doing their jobs. And I think we see that daily now in our present law enforcement industry. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, both, you said both of you guys are ex-military, right? Right. Yeah. I mean that your job is to follow orders, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's on my job. um, I don't think there's anyone I've ever hurt or damaged on my job, but I'm following orders too. I have a boss. It's just a matter of are we harming somebody else? And you know, the police. James Duane's book, "You Have the Right to Remain Innocent," is a short book, but I really wish I could get everyone to read it. Um, just like most people say, I wish I, I could get everyone to read Scott Horton's "Fools Errand," so they'd understand, you know, what's going on. I really wish everyone would read that book because it all it is is one story after another of how people innocent people talk themselves into jail. And it's hard for me. If put it this way, money's being stolen for me to pay for the police. Nothing can really stop that at this point. Correct. So if they're going to do a job, they should be doing a job of protecting people and protecting their property. And that's it. I mean, what, so much of their job is going around and initiating conflict with people who are otherwise peaceful. I mean, you know, if you drive over, if you're paying attention to your phone and you drive over the yellow line and you kill somebody, I mean, you have to be punished. There has to be some kind of, there has to be some kind of punishment for that. But if you do it and you come back real quick and no one gets hurt, how is taking a paycheck away from somebody by writing a ticket and, and taking a, a a mortgage payment or something out of their pocket? How does that keep them from? How does that protect anybody? It really yeah. doesn't. It's not really a deterrence. I mean people people who have a tendency to get tickets have a tendency to keep getting tickets. You know, so it's just it, and and that's that's the easiest part of it. But, you know, they I posted a meme this morning that said that if people, soldiers who are overseas, they are taught not to fire until fired upon. And police in this country are taught to fire when they fear for their lives. And that's and we've seen how they just use that excuse over and over again I've often, and god
0: i've often considered the uh, the rules of engagement that 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 the military has to follow when they're overseas um you know, that's a whole other episode of course whether or not we like them over there which obviously i'm sure you probably feel the same way i do i wish they, they weren't there but mm-hmm. being over there and engaging the local population there are rules of engagement that you have to abide by um as, as simple as those rules are, if they were just applied by law enforcement here on our own soil, we would have such a reduction in life, uh, life loss uh, by, by the innocent civilians, you know.
1: Yeah, I've probably written more articles on the police than anything else, but the first article I ever wrote was just how they should be policing now and they should be policing one. They don't initiate violence unless protecting themselves or protecting somebody else because that's a right that I have
0: yeah
1: you know, without the costume and the, and the tin badge um, and the and the second thing that they should do is they should be like the fire department. They should stay in their building until they're called. There's yeah. no reason that they should be roaming the streets looking to initiate conflict with people or initiate contact even um, you know if you know, we read these stories about how you know in Afghanistan or in Iraq or anywhere that that the soldiers are right now that they try to do as much as they can to protect, especially the children over there, uh, you know, while trying to protect themselves. And when we hear a story about how an innocent got killed over there, it's just, it's tragic, you know, and it's it's heart wrenching, but people don't even give it a second thought when it happens here. I mean, they, you, police kill over a thousand people a year. Usually, right around a thousand to eleven 1, hundred people a year, and some of those people have pulled a gun on police and or pulled a knife on police, or they were being completely violent, and, and the police officer was within their rights. But when you start looking at the numbers, <laughs> the amount of people that are unarmed, I mean, I I, I think it was. In two thousand fourteen, and I could only find numbers on on black uh, on black people that this happened to. I think it was one hundred and twenty four unarmed black men were killed by police in two thousand fourteen. And you have to ask yourself, well, why? Why if if soldiers overseas aren't allowed to? You know, raise their rifle to an unarmed person. They're not even allowed to raise their rifle to somebody who's carrying an AK unless that yep. AK comes up into their field, yep. and pointing at them. Why are police on American soil? You know, to get let's get all statist here. You know, uh, you know, in the land of the free and the home of the brave. How come they can get away with that and they get called heroes? It, yeah. it is. It once you start seeing it that way. And I mean, I'm lucky I was raised to not trust police, not talk to police, stay away from police. If, you know, if I was walking down a street in New York and I saw a cop, I would cross over to the other side of the street or there were times I would just turn around and go in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, that's just how, how I was raised. But, you know, and it's not that I was a criminal or, or something like that. It's just that they have immunity to kill people. (laughs) I I,
2: was, I was sort of raised that way. Being from the South, you know, Southern hospitality and to respect your elders. Yes, sir. No, sir. And and a police officer, somebody that you look up to that you need to, that you call for help. And, but behind that, you don't mess with the cops, right? Where I'm from, because Mm -hmm. they can, they can uh, cause a lot of pain in your world that you necessarily wouldn't have if you wouldn't have encountered them the wrong way. You know what I mean? So I understand where you're coming from with that because it's very similar, but different, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, when you really start looking at the numbers and go into it as deep as I've gone into it, it is, it, it, it's a kind of stuff where you close your eyes to go to sleep at night and that stuff gets into your head and you can't mm-hmm. fall asleep. Yeah, you know, it's, and,
0: it's hard to find numbers on that stuff. I do you have a do you have a place you like to go to to see that? Because I because I looked for some numbers, and it was very challenging for me to get to
1: get the. Oh, it, it, they make it really hard yeah. to find. Um, probably the best thing to do is to go to like DuckDuckGo or okay. even to, even Tour and uh, and look those things up. But Washington Times keeps a uh, keeps track of, has a page where they keep track of how many people are killed by cops Mm. on a daily basis and then um, a monthly basis and, you know, um, year to to date kind of thing. So, but numbers on um, outside of a lot of um, black groups keep track of how many black people are shot by cops, but it's hard to find how many white people or Chinese people or Spanish people because they just don't, they aren't keeping those numbers. And, Mm if somebody is keeping those numbers, they're making it really hard in the Google search to figure that out. Cause um, there's a lot of things that you can't find in Google that if you go to duck, duck, uh, if you go to duck, duck, go or something like that, it'll be like the first search. It'll be the first uh, results. So I had that with the Waco with the, uh, the branch Davidian mm-hmm. search warrant that I, when I was uh, putting together some research on that, I was trying to find the search warrant and in Google, I went eight pages deep and couldn't find it. I went to DuckDuckGo, put that in Brent Davidian search warrant, and um, it was the first thing that came up. So,
0: wow. Okay. So what? So what do you think we got to do to get people to start seeing the law enforcement officers for for what they are? I mean, it, th- point, there's so many things. This- there's so many things. You know, that 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 we look at our status, brothers and sisters. You know, I mean, we all got family members that are like this. I'm sure and And friends and whatnot, and there's so many things we go, and we have these conversations. but I think this is probably one of the more important details um in our everyday life to try and eventually start getting right because of because of how many people are are impacted by it by not seeing the law enforcement for what it is. Does that make sense?
1: It makes sense okay at this point, I think we would have a better chance of changing a police officer's mind than changing Mm. their acolytes minds. Mm. I I, I think so. Um, Yeah. But I have been, I've also been reading a lot of uh, articles and books on agorism and Conkin Samuel Konkin had the idea that the way you defeat the state and especially law enforcement is when we get to the point where we can, Create a count a counter economy so big outside of the white economy that private defense forces pop up to protect you from the state's mm. police force. So you know something like something like D, Detroit Threat Management, what Dale Brown does in Detroit. Yeah, um, but specifically to protect you know. The person who's 3d printing guns and maybe selling them what, when they shouldn't be doing you know because they're not allowed to do that or the person who sells weed or something like that where you will have a defense you know a private com, a private force will be like okay we'll protect you from the state and then that pretty much once you get a counter economy that big you've pretty much drained the state of all their they can't really do anything they don't have any power anymore and they're just going to fall so yeah I like that. I've, I've had that. I've had that discussion with
0: people before when, when talking specifically about this topic and asking them, in a, in a market-driven environment where you have competing security firms, who, do, do you think the private citizen, using their terminology, is, is going to be better treated by a security firm that has to compete for their contract, compete, compete for their business, or they're going to be better treated by an agency that has a monopoly on violence, right? And almost unanimously I can get them to understand that the market will provide a better service than the monopoly. Right. So how, but I mean, so that's always been like, how do we get, I mean, one-on-one we can always get people to understand that, but, but how do you get that over, over the whole society, right. Over the, over the majority of the people. Well,
1: I don't don't know know that you ever will. Yeah. I don't know that you can change everyone's mind, but you can basically do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, at this point i'm i'm all out of theorizing and i've gotten to the point where i just want to do it where it's like all right let's do it and see what happens you know and push it forward because i could read all the rothbard all rothbard conkin you know wally conger guys like that who are you know really making good points but Rothbard doesn't really tell you how to go do it. And people like Konkin tell you how, you know, it's like, look, you, we have to do this. If we're not doing this, if we're not actually what we want for the future, let's start doing that now and suffer the consequences and let's build. And you don't have to be, you know, strictly black market where you're doing something illegal, you could become, it could be something gray market, you know, like, you know, famously, you know, growing, you know, growing vegetables in your yard and then taking them to, you know, taking them to a farmer's market and selling them for silver or crypto and not collecting any taxes and, you know, just starving the beast. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tons of ways to do it. I mean, everybody's an agorist. Everybody I grew up with was an agorist. We were always looking to pay for, we were always looking for, you know, somebody who was selling something or like, you know, I was thinking today, the, um, I grew up playing hockey and the first really nice set of hockey gloves I had, which weren't nylon, they were all leather. I paid 20 bucks for them because they fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind, that's what I'm talking about is, you know, it's like, I don't care where it came from. I don't really care where it came from. I just know that, Hey, this is a good deal for me. And the tax man's getting shafted in it. So that's at this point, I'm just like, I'm trying to do every possible transaction I can outside of the system. I was, you know, I was really hoping that there was a talk in Georgia of Kroger accepting like Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash. And, um, cause they were at one point, they were going to stop taking like Visa or something like that. I was like, well, if they do that, you know, I would hope that they wouldn't collect tax like in, um, in New Hampshire, there's a lot of businesses up there that take crypto and they don't charge, they don't have a sales tax mm-hmm. attached to it. So, yeah, but yeah, this is this is just stuff to plan and and, and try to do on your own. You know, so I mean, yeah, you go to you go to a farmer's market and you, you know, try not to accept fiat uh, currency. You know, just accept crypto or silver or something like that. Ninety, you know, ninety percent silver coins, the pre nineteen sixty four dimes and quarters and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, I have tons of those. And um, yeah, I mean, we just have to. I mean, I'm fully convinced that the the only way that we're going to defeat the state is to do it counter economically. I mean, I can use you know, the Soviet Union to a certain extent. A lot, a lot of it was counter economics that drove that. Drew the, now, their goal wasn't to have like a laissez-faire economy. They were doing it because that's what they needed to do to survive. But it ended up taking them down. And North Korea, Michael Malice talks about how North Korea is the same thing. You know, black market, people are smuggling in um, thumb drives with uh, South Korean uh, soap operas on them and Mm -hmm. people go into China and they, they buy stuff in China and then come back over the river and then they bribe the guards and everything there. I mean, that's the way... I think that's the way North Korea is going to get taken down is they're just going to be like, wait a minute. Why, why does this person have fur? Why does this woman have a fur coat and she's not, you know, or, why do these people have these expensive things and they don't appear to be rich? You know, TV shows, there's a good um, documentary on Amazon right now. It's called uh, it's got a stupid name. It's Chuck Norris versus communism. (laughs) And and it's how in romania a country that i've spent i've spent a good deal of time in how smuggling in western movies starting around 1984 1985 really helped them to realize how communism was killing them and was causing them to be poor and you know 5 years later they they overthrew it now unfortunately they didn't overthrow it with the the goal of, you know, creating an Agora or something like that. But, you know, they were still able to get Ceausescu out of there. And, um, yeah. Well,
0: there's, there's some, there's some evidence there that agorism, um, beats a violent revolution anyway. Right. Like, I mean, we, we see that throughout history and, you know, we always joke around about the boogaloo and I think it's funny and I play along. I got my, I got my Aloha shirt on. I got my little boog shirt on, but, uh, you know, we know that a violent revolution generally doesn't, doesn't bring about the kind of change that we're hoping for It brings about another overbearing regime. Right. So, but agorism, we see that through history is as, as something that, that does work repeatedly over and over again. If done, if it done works and yeah.
1: not only works, but you know, when you look in the past, these people didn't, couldn't put a name to it. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But if you, start a movement where you know what you're doing and you know what you want the end to be, that's completely different, especially, you know, in a country where you know, we pretty much have everything that we want now. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how much that, that <laughs> it goes for the immediate future because I'm a lot more pessimistic about getting liberties back and, you know, Oh, going too, back to the the way it was, you know, three months ago. Yep. I mean, I think, I think this has changed forever. Um, and I think that tyranny is, if people have their eyes open, they're going to see tyranny pretty clear. But, um, I mean, I think there's no better time there. And, and you know, if you would have asked me about agorism a month, a month and a half ago, I would have said, yeah, I've done it for years and everything, but, Oh, you know, still i got to concentrate on this and anarcho capitalism yada yada but you know agorism is putting anarcho capitalism into practice
2: yeah it definitely means more now than it did a few months yeah. ago that's for and sure and it really it yeah. really
1: does and i'm not going to mention some of the things that i've been buying up and storing that i think are going to be in high demand later this year or in in the near future but that's another way to insulate yourself is what do you think is going to be in high demand because of all these laws and all this stuff that's coming and you know that that's a way to um make sure that you don't get poor you know because a lot of these jobs aren't coming back and a lot of these jobs are not coming back at all and people who think they are restaurants people are not going to be comfortable going into restaurants until daddy government says we have this thing beat we've beaten and then it. yeah yeah and then those restaurants are going to open up for a couple months and then the then the winter is going to come around and they're gonna be like oh it's mutated it's here again yeah lock locked down i mean man this is i <laughs> i think that's what's going to happen i hate to say it because i would rather be operating in a in a, jan- a January environment, but I'm thinking that the environment that we have right now, it's going to be. It's the new around- normal.
0: Is that the new normal?
1: Yeah. I, I know a lot of people are giving crap because people are using that phrase, but I think there's two kinds of people using that phrase that I think there are people who want this shut down, you know, who are using that phrase. And then there are people like me who are like, you know, F word, this is the (laughs) new normal, and this is gonna suck. And you better, you better design a strategy to be able to beat it.
2: Well, that's good. Well, think about it. There's grown men and women right now that don't remember what it was like before 9/11, and what that did to us. How we never got those liberties back. How it changed. It just changed. So the timing is impeccable. If you think about it, when something like this happens i'm not gonna go conspiratorial on you but i'm just saying now that like you're right now that this has happened do we go back to the normal no there's a new there's i I just don't see it happening i don't see us getting back the way it was and it's gradually over time and increments that these things take hold of of our liberties but this one was quick this one was fast oh yeah
0: you know i that's what shocks me the most is how fast it happened and and some people say that that you know I think we had we had Skip on a few weeks ago and he was saying that he 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 was he was surprised that it wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be right and yeah. uh, but I tell you I this this moved this moved quicker than I was prepared for that's for sure
1: oh yeah I mean I I've told this story a couple times but I was up in New York in January first weekend in January and um, I was in studio with Dave Smith for part of the problem. And we were talking about you know nine eleven and everything. And I asked a question, I said, What do you think our liberties would look like if there was another nine eleven tomorrow? And it was rhetorical. Yeah, you know, I mean, how do you answer that? You know, it's just it, it was just something rhetorical to go, hmm, yeah. The, the, I'll tell you, I gave I gave great thought into what it would be like if you know another terrorist attack happened on American soil that killed three thousand people. Mm-hmm. But this is way worse than what I thought would happen if a terrorist killed 3,000 people again. This is way worse because, you know, as Vin Armani and I have been talking about, this is the invisible enemy. And how do you fight the invisible enemy? It's a perfect perfect enemy for them. I mean, I hate to say it that way. But if you are a totalitarian who wants to control a populace, Mm -hmm. you just got a gift.
2: It's genius. Yeah, you're right not, not giving it, uh, not saying that I'm for it. I'm just saying it's genius how they execute these things. It's, yeah. it's very cerebral. That's for sure.
0: Well, and then, so this comes, this comes after nearly two decades of of training all of everybody in the entire population. If you see something, say something right. So ever, ever, you know, ever, no, right. I mean, ever since nine yeah. 11, that was a new thing. If you see something that doesn't look right, say something. And so now you've got two decades of Karen's running around calling, calling on their neighbors for walking the dog, right. Or, or not wearing their mask or going out to the ice cream store or whatever, you know, doing, just trying to get out and do stuff. And now we've, we've turned informants on each other. I I use the Royal. We, I'm not going to narc on my neighbor, but we have become informants for the state and we've been trained for that for the last 20, last 20 years, almost,
1: you know, it's I'll tell you, I knew as soon as this started, I, I called the the Karen phenomenon. I mean, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. It always does. People just people are absolute garbage. Uh, people want to... I mean, you want to talk about virtue signaling? Mm. I mean, this is just... um what was it? Um, someone was saying, social justice warriors, these are social distancing warriors. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It, these people are just I mean and a lot of them are the same people who'd be like oh yeah those social justice warriors on campuses with a bunch of complainers and whiners and everything and all that you know it's like it's like oh you just want to kill old people it's like jesus you know come on guys this is just let's think this through a little more I mean think think before you talk it's just so stupid it reminds me of
2: uh you remember the original twilight zone the black and white ones My dad was in love with those and and whenever they finally come out on Netflix years ago I wouldn't watch them all and uh, there's a couple of episodes where it's like that some nuclear fallout thing type thing happens or there's a meteor coming and everybody goes into their little bunkers and then the neighbors start turning on each other and then they start attacking each other all by the fear of what the big man says you know so it's it's very similar to that which is very scary you know
1: yeah yeah it's and, and what's funny is, and I've mentioned this before that I don't see as many police on the road anymore. It's just the police are, and, and I I talked to a police officer, an active police officer, and I'll, I I might release that episode this week. And he told me, he said that his department said, just, you know, protect yourself, you know, keep Mm -hmm. yourself from, don't get sick, you know, so distance from people. So, in a, in a county, the county I work in, which is huge on their county police having a huge presence everywhere, I've rarely been seeing them lately, but it doesn't even matter because it's like so many of the citizens now think they're cops yeah. and it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, I've been deputized. So I, I got to call the police when I see somebody. I, there's a there's a telegram group that's called Corona Calls. And it's it's based in Georgia, and it's all these calls that people have had um, from Georgia calling to report businesses, and it, it, it's pretty amazing how many of them are people who work for the business calling to report their business because their business wants them to come to work. It, it's just, that's remarkable. Yeah. It's like I haven't missed I haven't missed a day of work. Uh, my hours have been cut a little bit, but I mean not not significant enough that, you know, I'm going to file for an employment to make it up. But, um, yeah, I haven't once been mad at my company for, um, for not closing down. I've been, I'm proud of them for not closing down, you know, let's keep this thing going, you know? Yeah. I'm still working. I'm
0: working a modified schedule. I know Gumbo's still working too. Um, but yeah, you're right, dude. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are changing. The, um, Oh, shoot i lost my thought i'm sorry about that oh, it's cool man no worries
1: i do it <laughs> i do it all the time i'm just a really good editor <laughs> oh talk
0: about the cops right so you you were saying that you didn't see a lot of them uh in your area um and i don't know maybe gumbo can 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 corroborate i guess but uh i i feel like honolulu pd has increased its presence as, a, as really? i drive around i feel like eight the honolulu police department is and maybe it's just because I'm more aware and I'm looking for them because I got my papers, right? And I'm always like, okay, am I going to have to do this? Um, so every time I see those blue lights or whatever, I think, "Well, oh, okay. You know, I don't know if it's just me being more aware or if they've actually increased their presence, but they sure feel like they've increased their presence. What do you think, Gumbo? Um,
2: I don't know that I've seen more police officers. Okay, so it's just
0: me. I'm just crazy. Uh, got it.
2: But But I do, I will say, that every time I see those blue lights, I have that flinch from back in my youth where I'm about to get arrested again. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's about to happen because I'm not proud of that, but I was a rambunctious young lad. And uh, I yep. had plenty of uh, encounters and I don't like that feeling.
1: So y'all are out in the middle of the Pacific, huh?
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. What's the count like there?
0: So I stopped tracking it a couple days ago, but we we got up over 600 recently, I think. Um, Total cases cases or total cases and then and then I think we're at like nine deaths and then like the rest of the country our deaths um, seem to be complicated. You know, like it's not just straight up clean, you know, COVID-19 cases or they have, they have complications that are, that are associated with them as far as I'm well, that's, able to tell, that's
1: almost, that's almost all. I mean, yeah, I'm not really trusting the numbers anymore, especially yeah. after I saw that report out in New York where it's like, oh, 3,700 deaths attributed to Corona, but they never got tested. And it's like, all right, then what
0: the, how do you okay, know? Okay. Yeah. But-
1: Yeah. So now, so now we're just making stuff up, (laughs) But then there was another
0: study that just came out of California not too long ago. Um, I don't have it handy, but the, the numbers, they did the uh, the antibody um, test in Santa Clara and the numbers they found with the the people that had the the coronavirus antibody uh, indicating that they had been exposed in the past were like 85% higher than, than the reported numbers of, of active cases. You know, indicating that people had it and didn't know it, so they were like, "There's a lot of us." And so the, you know, my, my thought process that goes like this: then, then there's just a lot of us walking around with it, and we don't know it. We're just non-symptomatic, and no, and those numbers are probably a lot higher than anybody realizes.
1: You know, well, I'd want to, I'd want to take a test to know whether that is detecting previous coronavirus Cruz, like a people cold have warm, had yeah. and they just have and they have antibodies left over i mean yeah. it, it's so funny when people came out and uh, i guess because i'm a label reader and when this came out and they said oh it's a coronavirus and everything i'm like okay which one because i mean i remember reading on lysol cans you know, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. oh, this kills the coronavirus. So I'm like, okay, so which one are we talking? What's up with this one now? And then they came up with this, you know, and I was talking about this with Scott Horton the other day. is like he talks to a doctor. The doctor tells him, We really just don't know a lot about this one right now. It's very hard. It's gonna take a while. And then in the next sentence he's like they say something like, Well, you can be a carrier and never show and, and never show any symptoms and you could pass it to a thousand people. And I'm like, well, how do you know
2: that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds good, but uh, how do you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that was the point. That was the one that, you know, got, got Scott crazy when he heard that, he heard that back in January. Yeah. He read that in the wall street journal back in January. And I'm like, China only knew about that virus in late November into December or, or early December, how did someone figure that out in a month? It just, that doesn't seem plausible and it's something that's being parroted all over the place. And I'm just like, that sounds really odd. Mm. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know that there's anything that we really know about this thing yet. You know, I spoke to another doctor uh, up in Kentucky and he said he's never seen anything like this. He says one person will test positive for it and have the a certain set of symptoms. Another person will test positive positive have a different set of symptoms. Another person will test positive and die. And you know, he he's just like, we we've never seen anything like this. So it's like I don't really think they know anything yet, and they're already talking about oh we'll have a vaccine. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I don't want it. I I, I mean. I'm almost 99%, I'm almost 90% positive I've already had it and yeah. got and gotten over it. Um, so I don't want the vaccine, especially since I know the flu vaccine and all the work Jeremy R. Hammond has done to show that the flu vaccine is really ineffective. Yeah. And a lot of times they're just guessing on what on what kind of strains and strands are going to be in it. And they completely guess wrong. And, and oops, then it has oops, like oops, wrong 13% <laughs> effect it has like 13% efficiency and even lower. And you know, you're, and you're getting injected with the flu and it's like, I've never had a flu shot in my life. And I used to get sick once or twice a year, usually during the summer, but really when I changed my diet over to um, high protein, I haven't really gotten sick a lot. So that to me, I guess that's a, that's, even if it doesn't work for other people, it's boosted my immunity, my immune system. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. I mean, it's just, you know, especially if I think I already had it, but you know, we'll see. I mean, if I had it, my wife's, then my wife had it, has had it, and she has no symptoms whatsoever. Of it. She hasn't felt bit of illness in the past three or four months so right. who the hell i don't think we i just don't think we know anything right now mm-hmm. and they're acting like they do so that's yeah. the biggest thing right so we're acting we're
0: at, i say again when i say we i mean the royal we we're not talking not the three of us but we're shutting down an entire economy off of something we know nothing about and we're we're boosting the strength of the police you know to to enforce these edicts from plantation owners based off of an illness we know nothing about you know and uh, you know my my big fear, my my biggest fear. I'm obviously like you guys that go and I and I look at our, our all our various liberties, and I know that some of them just simply aren't coming back, not without a fight. And uh, one of the big ones I'm looking at is is these. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. When I say this, I just I look at vaccines and I go, I'm going to apply a little bit of common sense to this. Um, but there is a hysteria out there for mandatory vaccines, and I'm concerned, particularly very personally, very selfishly being stuck out here in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. If the FAA gets involved and I can't board a plane until I prove that I've been vaccinated against something, there's a whole population of us out here that are kind of hosed, man, you know? And uh, I don't know how realistic that is. That's maybe just a little bit of my paranoia going, but man, there's a lot There's a lot of traction in that. And this little thing, this little germ, um, may be enough to push it in that, in that direction. I don't know if you want Not to I get
1: yeah. I guess that's when the Agora step in and figure out a way to get you vaccine papers or vaccine <laughs> information on your phone to, uh, so you can travel.
0: There you go. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that.
1: I'm worried about the whole, you know, you have to have an app on your phone and then it, they track you. And if you come within six feet of somebody who they know is tested positive, now you have to go into quarantine for 14 days. I've already figured out how to get around that. But, um, you know, still, it's just it's mind blowing because I'm not making that up. I've actually no. read that. I, yeah. I, I read that in an article. I think I forget what think tank actually came up with that. And I'm just like, this is insane. I mean, it, some of the measures, I mean, we're talking about pure technocracy. Yeah. Where, you know, Skynet, you know, it's like people are, People get pissed off about the radiation thing with 5G and yeah. people are constantly well, oh, you know, the radiation and everything. I'm like, listen to James Corbett's podcast on the 5G dragnet. That thing is created so that you they can keep inform they can gather information on you in almost real time.
0: Yeah. And where you're at I mean, at it, all times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're put it there's tower here, tower here. I mean, there's so many more towers. So, I mean, it's really I, I'm calling it Skynet. That That's what I, I've, said. I've said. 5G to me seems like Skynet. They'll just be able to do whatever they want. Now, did you see, um, I think I shared it on Twitter today, in Savannah, Georgia, the drones, they have drones that are flying wow. around and they're telling people, and they have speakers telling people to social distance, six feet, six feet, six feet. Were these drones made in China? <laughs> I don't know, but... The, the, the one I was looking at, I'm like, damn, just take that down with a shotgun. They, a one they're, shot. they're,
2: they're not predator drones yet.
1: yet. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know if you heard about this. I mentioned it on an episode that we had before, but there's this uh, author named Dean Kutz. Kutz, Kunz. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a, a novel in eight, 1981 called The Eyes of Darkness. And it's been floating around online for a while. But in there, on, on one of the pages, they're talking about a weaponized. Uh, virus and it it says they call this stuff wuhan 400 because it was developed at their rdna labs outside of the city of wuhan and it was it was the 400th visible strand of a man-made microorganism created at that research center wuhan 400 and then it goes on and on but that's kind of that's one of those little strange artifacts that pops up during a time like this that's like wow that's 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 weird
1: well and it really just tells you how um how long people have known that these labs exist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the, just that the fact that they, they're still messing with this stuff. You know, I've, I've said before, I live five miles from the CDC and it's always on my mind that uh, I guess it doesn't go national a lot, but we hear about it, how stuff walks out of the CDC all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so yeah.
2: It's not good. Raccoons. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It, it's uh. I really question living where I live sometimes because every time I drive by that thing, I'm just like, yeah, I don't think you really should exist. (laughs) Or you should be out on a barge somewhere in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to switch it up a little bit and
0: talk about the documentary you got coming out. You want to share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. The Monopoly on Violence. Monopoly Um, on Violence. Yeah. Just yesterday, I finished watching the third draft. So it's being edited together. Um, there's gonna be two ed- two editors. One is doing all the preliminary editing, and then we have somebody that we're going to send it to who, you know th- this is what they do to edit it down perfectly exactly what we want and everything. but pretty much we know what it looks like. I've seen what it's going to look like. We don't have all the mute, you know, like the score, the soundtrack in there yet. We have the soundtrack over some parts just to give an idea of what it's going to, um, how it's going to sound, how it's going to look. We still haven't added all the graphics and the videos to over, you know, that are going to be over when people talk. Um, Cause there are some passages in it that are lengthy lengthier than some other documentaries where we have people talking who are telling a story, but it takes a, you know, you know, James C. Scott, who's probably one of the premier anthropologists on the planet. um, He starts off talking about the history of nation states and how we got to nation states. And, um, you know, that's in the beginning. And yeah, it's a good solid five minutes of him talking. And, you know, there, Scott Horton, his part is a long part where he's explaining, explaining the terror wars and, you know, U.S. policy, things like that. Um, so I know what it looks like right now, and I know what it's going to look like in my head, what it's going to sound like in my head, but, you know, there's still... we There really shouldn't be a problem having it out next month. Um, it, it's funny, people are like, oh, since, you know lockdown and everything you'd have more time to work on it it's like well the person who's doing the most work on the editing right now he doesn't he, you know his wife works he doesn't work so it's like it's there's no difference you know yeah. but um but yeah i mean it's it's coming along great i think people are really going to like it it's not there are a lot of documentaries on netflix and netflix is actually created an environment where people are getting into documentaries again where it's getting really popular but most of the documentaries i see i hate um they're just awful they try to be hip and have hip music and hip cuts and you know edits and everything like that and i just think they're awful and like the bob lazar one that one, I wanted to like the Bob Lazar one because I think the guy has an interesting story, even if I don't believe him. Um, I, yeah, I love hearing stuff like that. But it was just so hipster. And it was like the guy who was the host of it. And you know, it's like, I, I can't stand documentaries where the host is, where the person who's doing the documentary and asking the questions is on camera. I was like, no, that's, this isn't about you okay yeah um yeah. so right from the start chris who came up with the idea chris Kofer, he he said he wanted this to be more like an old nova documentary Okay. And yeah because those are the documentaries that i grew up on where it was like you put it on there wasn't you know there wasn't metal music over it or you know there was there wasn't anybody dressed like friggin' Jesse James from the, you know, I'm talking about that guy, (laughs) that guy, you know, trying to act cool like that. It was a documentary about a subject and they had experts on and the experts were on camera and they interspersed it with, you know, video footage while the expert was talking and graphics while the expert was talking. And that was, that's what our finished product is going to be more like. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more like, a classic documentary than whatever this is that is passing for documentaries these days that are just God awful. I'm so I'm stoked
0: for it. I can't wait. Yeah. I cannot wait for it. I've been, I've been waiting for a while, for a while. Like, is it coming yet? Is it coming yet? It's, <laughs> is it going to be there yet?
1: I think it's going to be a lot different than what people expect. Okay. I, I think the information that's in there is people are they're going to love it. But you know, we can't, we eliminated whole sections where we just thought it got down into the weeds too much where, you know, we had this one, I'm not going to say what the subject matter was, but we had this whole like five, 10 minutes on one subject where when I watched the, the first cut of it, it seemed like a non sequitur. It just seemed like, how did, how does this fit into what we're doing? So I just, you know, I got in touch with Chris and I said, it just doesn't seem we can put this on the, on the Blu-ray, but we're not going to, this has to come out of the, out of it. So, you know, that got rid of 10 minutes for us. And, you know, we're still editing stuff out. We're finding, you know, it's like, does this flow? Does it, you know, and, but I think it's going to tell a good story. You know, it's going to give, it's going to give the history of nation states and it's going to talk about, you know, educate, you know, how the state educates, how talk about the federal reserve um, then we're going to i mean really this the second half of it is about implementation is about how to get there how you know, to get and where we there, want to be yeah. there, there's a good section on agorism and you know there's a good section on people who are creating comic books and people who you know doing videos and memes and you know dave smith and his stand up comedy and that's just, you know, and um, Eric July and backwards and it, just good stuff, you know? And um, so it's like, it's really broken up into two things. It's like the first 45 minutes is history mm-hmm. basically. But after you get past that, then it's implementation. What do we do? You know, why did we get here? What is the alternative? And I mean, I'm really excited, excited for it. Um, oh, me too. Yeah. It's just, the first part of it is history and I want, I hope people see, I love history and I could sit there and I could, you know it's like the John Adams, you remember the John Adams miniseries that HBO did? I don't. Did you ever see it? No
2: I'm not sure, no. Either you seen. saw it? Oh no. my goodness, yeah
1: <laughs> it's not historically accurate but it's really good and it's really entertaining and it's like, I think it's six episodes and they're like an hour to an hour and a half long each, I think I watched them all in one day You know, so it's like, I mean, I can watch stuff that interests me and everything, you know, people just have to realize that that's the way we structured it is, you know, we have to tell the history of what happened, you know, and I just worry that some people just don't like history and, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to bore me and everything. But it's like, no, we need to tell how we got here. If we don't know how we got here, we don't know how to avoid it in the future. You know we don't True. know how to teach people against it, but you know once we get past the history, then we really start getting into um, you know just you know the fun part. You know Walter, you know Walter Block and Tom Woods and you know Dave Smith and Jeff Deist and Ryan McMakin and um, you know, just good stuff. I mean we've got a whole section at the ending with Maj Touré talking about black uh, black guns matter and everything, and mm. uh, I think yeah it's I. <laughs> I think people are going to really like it and I think people are going to be very happy to share it with, uh, share it with their friends. I just, it's like, I've, I've seen three versions. I've watched it three times now and it's like, okay. It's like, I can't wait to see what this is going to look like in the end. <laughs> I can't wait to see what this is going to look like in the end and everything. And, but um, yeah, I I think it's going to be something that people are going to be, the most important thing is, I want somebody to go to be able to go, Hey, this is what I believe. This is what, where I believe the future should go watch this.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I think uh, that's
1: important. I'm excited. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm hoping to see that in that, in that, in that documentary, I've been, been following it for a while and I'm really excited to see that it's coming out here pretty soon. And man, thanks for doing it. I mean, thank you for doing it. Thanks for being a part of that uh. and, and pushing that through because I think it tells it, I don't know it. Obviously I haven't seen it yet, but I'm expecting that it's going to answer a lot of questions that are very challenging for us to answer when we get asked, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Oh, that but a sense. lot of it's going to be a lot of it's going to be basic too, because we're, we're not doing this for people who already believe. That's good. You know, for people who already believe like we do, you know, we have to keep it to a certain extent, basic and accessible, for, you know, for lack of a better term, normies, so that, you know, we can tell our story and we we don't overwhelm them. That's why, you know, like I said, we had whole sections that we took out because it just got way too down into the weeds. And, you know, it's like something that was like, oh, well, I find this interesting. Well, sure, I've been studying this for 12 years. You know, it's like, (laughs) this isn't isn't like, if a document you know, if I would have been looking at like argumentation, Hoppe's argumentation ethics, you know, when I first became a libertarian, I'd have been like, what the hell is this? This doesn't make any sense to me. You know? So, you know, some things had to go, but the good thing is though, as much as is hitting the cutting room floor, and there's a lot hitting the cutting room floor, um, it'll all be on the Blu-ray. That's great. So people can just, you know, go and see, you know, the, hour the hours of interview interview footage that we didn't use
0: that's good man that's really good um gumbo how are we doing man is there anything else you want to talk about
2: i'm just listening i'm enjoying this i (laughs) I hit i hit all of my
0: high i hit all my high points i got one more question i wanted to ask before before we wrap it up sure And, and pete you don't you don't have to answer it um both both gumbo and i are uh obviously using aliases and i know that you used an alias for a while manse raider and then you moved on to pete raymond and now you're using your 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 uh-huh. name peter r Quinones. what was the process that you went through to decide whether or not you were going to come well we okay we use our we use aliases as a professional thing we want to you know mm-hmm. I, I don't i have a real i have a real professional job that you know that's why we don't show our faces on our podcast we just kind of it's all audio and you know the ones who know who we are know who we are and that's not a problem, but I'm worried more about the people who don't. Right. So um, all right. what was your, what was your thought process before you came all the way through?
1: Well, in the beginning, it was really just to protect myself and my wife from uh, any recrimination, from anything that I would say that would piss off you know, mostly commies, I guess. <laughs> that's what I was yeah. worried about. I'm not really worried about the state so much. Um, and just as, as you know, and also, when you start a podcast from scratch, you know, something, it's just like, Oh, wake up one day. It's like, uh, I got a microphone. I, you know, audacity is free. So I can just record with that. Uh, I'll start knocking out some podcasts and put them out there and see if people like it. Well, you don't know how big it's going to get. And then, once it got to a certain point where it was like, okay, I'm getting invited to speak at places I'm getting invited to attend certain events. Um, then really putting out my legal name was Scott Horton asking me to be managing editor at, Mm -hmm. um, libertarian Institute because it's a 501 C three and my, that name would have been in the public anyway, if I was going to accept that position, um, My name would have been in the public anyway. So I was just like, uh, just for people to save people the time of, you know, going through the public record and trying to figure out what my real name was is just screw it. I'll just go with it and everything. So um, it just makes it, you know, it also, I'm not asking people to who know my identity to keep my identity a secret anymore too. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. a bird, you know, it's like me, the first time I ever went to the Mises Institute, it was like I had a badge that said Mance Rayder and everything. And, you know, and that was very nice of them. But, um, you know, when I went, when I went to Texas and we were hanging out at, um, hanging out with Ron Paul and everything uh, at a function that I went to, I had Mance Rayder and everything. And it just allows me to send not have to impose upon people and say, Hey, can you do me a favor? And, you know, just keep this secret and everything. And um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it just got to the point where it's like, all right, you know, I have a documentary coming out and (laughs) I want, and I want to be able to, you know, have that out there and also people that i grew up with who said hey you're never going to become anything to so be go f- you all yeah. right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can see my name in the credits and everything there's, there's and you know, there, just yeah. be like yeah i yeah, would be like oh f- you because you know it's like i had so many people that i that I, that i went to high school with who became you know like legitimate you know went into legitimate businesses and everything while i was working on your ground for so many years and you know yeah. go <laughs> working off the books and stuff like that and um now it's just you know it gives me a chance to give them the finger too so that's good good okay right on man um
0: i think i think we're good gumbo you got anything else
2: i was i was gonna say so i'm gonna tell you how crypto gumbo come around <laughs> how that name that alias come around <clears throat> just for uh, some giggles so i had i had stepped away from what they call independent research because I was, just, you know, consuming way too much content in certain subjects and I was just kind of tired of it and I needed, I needed something new. And that's kind of when I fell into uh, researching cryptocurrencies and getting into that kind of stuff. And, uh, so to follow everything that I, I wanted to stay up, up to date on like through Twitter and YouTube and stuff. Um, I, I needed an alias or something. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was trying to make a secret you know account or anything i was just like well all this crypto stuff everybody's got these silly crypto names what can what what matches me and i'm like well i'm from louisiana and i was like crypto crypto gumbo there, there you go and and i was like gumbo tastes good i'm from louisiana why not you know and um, a few months later a few months later i got a call from q and he's like i mean this is literally how this went down he's like hey man you want to be on a podcast and my answer was yeah and then we come <laughs> up with it and then there it went and then here we are and I got this silly gumbo name and yes, it works though. I mean, whatever. Did you Did you guys
1: end up in, did you guys end up in Hawaii because of the Navy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. My, we never, we I never
0: think- sailed together, but we knew, you know, we knew each other after we both got out and yeah. or we met each other after we both got out and, 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 uh, and of course, you know, we're both prior service, prior Navy and, and, you know, engineers. So our brain is, is damaged in the same way, you know? And so we, we clicked. You yeah. Know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, my co- my cousin's in the in the army and he's he's there.
2: Oh, right on. Right right on. on.
1: You ever gonna come out he's to there visit for him or five years. What? Uh, I'm I am not making that flight. No oh, way. Man. No. Dude, I can go to Fort Lauderdale and it's the same thing. Yeah, but come but I'm not at Fort Lauderdale.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you Lauderdale. go. We can we can come when you come over. I'll cook you. We'll get you. Well, my wife cook you a nice we'll, we'll dinner. We'll, gumbo, hang out, you know? <laughs> we'll cook you some Cook you some gumbo. If,
1: if I'm going, if I'm landing in Hawaii, I'm going to keep going to go to Australia. There you go. That's, okay.
0: that's probably better. Yeah. There you go.
1: Although although I've had some flat earthers tell me that Australia doesn't oh, exist. So.
0: Isn't that awesome? Isn't that the yeah. best one?
1: That's one of my best, <laughs> one of my favorite flat earth things is, and the person who's being dead serious that Australia doesn't exist. It's just, they land you in this place. If you go to Australia, it's all actors.
0: I've heard it. I've been, yeah, man, that's I, crazy. I've, I love that one. That's my favorite. I think my favorite that's, ever. Yeah.
2: So yeah. I've, I've been to Townsville and I've been to Melbourne. And let me tell you, those folks are some good actors. because <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I even ate kangaroo. Tastes, been, like, yeah. tastes like kangaroo i guess i don't
0: know i did the same thing i went to, <laughs> I went to darwin and brisbane i've been there three times and i'm telling you they're actors they got me fooled that's for mm-hmm. sure yeah yeah all right dude i
1: think we're gonna wrap it up pete you got you got anything you want to plug free man beyond the wall podcast um head on over to libertarianinstitute.org. i mean scott horton and sheldon richmond what else is there to say yeah about that and um yeah, I have a Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Manserator. and I do a lot of live streams and private stuff for my patrons and um, interact with them as much as possible. And we have a good time. There's a lot I've. Good. I have to say that the people who are patrons of mine that I get to interact with a lot, I really appreciate them. They're some of them are a lot smarter than me and way more way more accomplished you know it's like doctors yeah. doctors and you know pharmacists and it's just it's pretty wild you know right <laughs> and they um yeah they, they they're amazing they keep me going and they make it uh they make it so that I can afford to actually do this somewhat as a full-time semi full-time while I'm still working a job and everything but it allows me to cut some hours at work so that I can concentrate on this a little more. Okay.
0: Good for you. Well, okay. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. And, and, and I know, and I mean it, I know you're busy and and we talked a lot about the things that you got going on and I do appreciate you coming on the show and spending some time with us. So thank you very much. brother. Thank you.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the show. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Q underscore abolitionist. My co-host is at Crypto Gumbo and our show page is at Unshackled underscore L. Uh, If you like the content that we're creating and would like to help us make more, you can support us at anchor.fm slash unshackledliberty or patreon.com slash unshackledliberty. Thank you for your time. Every little bit helps. And remember, freedom does not require permission.